Welcome to another edition of Navigating Life with Coach Lowe. Today, I have a 30-plus year friend on with me. I have Misty Carter. My girl, I know, right? 30-plus years, that sounds like we ancient. <laughs> yes, 30-plus years. Oh, my God. Wow. Yeah, I said yeah so um misty is on with us and it is just such a delight to have her on as a guest misty has had some really interesting experiences in life that she is going to share with us today we are going to talk about heartbreak health issues and the healing process of misty's journey uh, it has been a lot, but this sister is here to tell the tea. She's spilling all the tea. She's telling it all. <laughs> and so I just, I just want to say welcome to my girl, Misty Carter. I am going to turn her over to you to share with you who she is, what she's doing, and what makes her dynamic. Misty, will you please share with our audience just who you are? Who is Misty Carter? I am Misty Carter. Um, I hail from the wonderful city of Chicago. We have a beautiful city. It's been marred with some things, but that's okay. Um, from the south side of Chicago, uh, started in Chicago housing. So regular, degular, schmegular girl from the projects here uh, who grew up in Inglewood, met a very, very good friend of mine. I uh, went to high school, one of the best high schools, you know, in the city. We uh, went our separate ways. We all took different paths. Uh, in terms of how we created successes, but nonetheless, we knew we were going to make it, and we did. Um, so I work for a wireless company, have been for 23 years now. I have three, three kids, um, a part of the best sorority, Aranda Sorority Incorporated. <laughs> Um, and, uh, I was married, uh, I was in a very, very tumultuous, uh, verbally, mentally abusive marriage. I was with my ex-husband from the age of 17, so Lolita left me and I made some poor decisions. No, just kidding, <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> Alita was always like our mother. She kept us all in line. Not only did we want to dress like her, we wanted to be like her. It was God, Jesus, Lolita. Oh, Lord. She was our. <laughs> oh, God. She better out of all of us. You know, we were all smart kids, but all make the smartest decisions. Lolita probably made the best decisions of us all. Um, nonetheless, we've all stayed in touch. I, I don't care how many years we're apart. It just comes back as organically as it did with the home arms locked so we didn't get beat up by the kids from Inglewood or, you know, things of such. So, um, then I am a mother of three, like I said, divorced now for two years. I am uh, a demonstration here of depression. I deal with uh, what's called PMDD um, and life. Life got in the way of me living. So I think that's, that's what we're here to discuss. All right. Pretty much. <laughs> yeah, that's it. That's why we're here. So I want to say thank you again. And and just with you, um, as you were just talking about your your marriage and the divorce and 
just that dynamic. During our pre-interview, you said something that was really, really interesting and it really stuck with me. And what you said was a broken heart broke my heart. And I said, whoa, what does that mean? And so I, I just want to give you the floor to just unpack that, define that, um, help us to bring us into your environment that help you to help you to come forth in such a powerful way to choose that way of expression a broken heart broke my heart so help me understand that so when when we think about a broken heart you know a lot of that tends to be evaluated under the relationship you know, partner slash husband, wife, 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 husband, husband, however that is classified these days. But I think it really kind of takes a step back as it pertains to our community. Any trauma that we might have dealt with as a child, which in my case, I did have a, a trauma in a sense in my home. I grew up in a home with four crack addicts and an alcoholic, and I don't drink or smoke and people often wonder why um, without knowing the backstory so i mean to that avail when you have disappointment as a kid or when you're living in situations like that that can be heartbreaking and then you go on to um, make different decisions or bad decisions shall i say because you didn't have that guidance you didn't have that stability you didn't have a lot of things and with that being said now you're in a relationship bound under the 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 guise of of god and now you need to make it work because that's how we were were trained as a a race you know if something went wrong you go to god in prayer and and my lord and savior can do anything don't think for one minute I take anything away from him, but absolutely he gave us a brow and a brain to understand that some of these challenges you might need a little earthly assistance with. And I think that as a community, we haven't really evolved into and thus said, we don't know how to put up barriers and, you know, take that self-care. We then endure so much where we cause this stress dis-ease so all of these heartbreaks in a sense now begin to break your heart because you're dealing with high blood pressure diabetes um high cholesterol all components of stress yes your diet could be its worst but these are founded and compounded by stress so essentially life can be you know can cause heartaches and heartbreaks that will break you down as an individual, break your heart. And I had five heart attacks. So it literally broke my heart. Oh, yeah. about those five heart attacks. So friends, yes. let me tell you how I found mm -hmm. out about these five heart attacks. <laughs> On social media. And I was so heartbroken because I am like, oh my God. I mean, so when someone is 35 years in your life, no matter how distant you are, there is always a sisterhood and a connectedness of hearts. Um, and so it broke my heart when I heard that she had gone through this and I did not know about it. I knew that she had a heart attack but when she shared how many heart attacks she had it really really broke me and um and i i i reached out and initially i didn't reach out i just prayed because i was like okay now lord um this is a lot hey this is a lot because again, when you are in relationship with people, 
um, that you want to see live their best life and they start sharing things about five heart attacks, I'm like, okay, well, wait a minute. Was it something, um, was it genetics? Was it, you know, inherent for her? Like what, what was this? You know, so there were just so many different things that ran through my mind. So I had to pray for both of us first. And then I reached out. And so <laughs> I know I needed help because I was just like, oh my God, this is my sister. And I was just like, I was crushed. And I, I just, with that being said, I just do, I, I want to just take a pause right here and just say to this audience, if you are in relationship with someone and you have not spoken to them in a while, now is a good time to do that. Not just a friend, but whether it is family or whatever, life is getting shorter and shorter for us in this earth. And people are going through things that you might have an answer to. Because one of the things as a coach and as her being my sister and our friendship for so many different years and just all that we have gone through, I, I felt like I had something that I could have shared with her to help her to navigate where she was but I wasn't there. I was ignorant of what was going on. And so had I had an opportunity to, uh, to, to talk to her about where she was with the knowledge of what she was going through, then I just think that it would have been a better benefit to both of us. But nevertheless, God's timing is on time at all times. And so here we are today and we get to talk to you, the audience of Navigating Life with Coach Lowe. And um, Misty, I, I, I would love for you to just uh, kind of share with us. So you talked about the, um, the childhood wounds. So one of the things that you had mentioned was the, um, the disconnect between you and your mom and um as a young yeah. woman how do you think that disconnect shaped you as a woman so you were a young lady a teenager mm -hmm. or what have you you and your mom you had a challenging relationship and that's kind of normal but Mm -hmm. As an adult, you know that there mm -hmm. were things now going on in mom's life that ultimately affected you negatively, some bad choices that were made. So what, what did that look like? Unpack that for us. Mm -hmm. So to, to, to that end, uh, one of the things that I have to, you know, be completely transparent about is, is that the issue, um, or the, the, I guess, strain with the relationship with me and my mom, it didn't start in my teenage years. My mother literally took me to my godmother's two weeks. She just wasn't prepared. And, you know, she, I had to come to a place my life where you can either choose to hold on to the resentment and by resentment what i mean to kind of you know unpack some of that as you say my mother was the type of mother that um she didn't have time for you she made concessions so i think to you know lolita's point about us growing up my cousin and i who lived in the same home you know, we could probably never classify ourselves as being poor. We came out the house with the latest Gucci, the coach, the leather coats, the duffel bags. We had all of that. So for all intents and purposes, it looked like we had a great life. But on the inside, there was a grandmother who said, hey, you fat girl, you're not smart enough. You're not cute enough. You know, whereas 
the other one here, you should be more like her. And there were so many things. So whereas, you know, you see these warning signs early on, but we don't know how or what to identify. Now I'm coming out the house looking like a full grown beat faced woman going to a job. I mean, we literally went to school and leather suits and things like that. So we're escaping some form instead of having on some used or damaged jeans, I'm walking around like I'm going to Michigan Avenue or something like that. So um, I, I grew up and my mother, she just, you know, it's unfortunate, but I looked at my life like I said, as it pertains to my mother and my children, I'm grateful for my godmother and I'm grateful for my cousin Faith who passed away because had they not been into existence, I probably, you know, contribute any successes if I were left to, you know, be a victim of my environment, so to speak. But they were there. So I did have some, some backing and what it taught me was this is a mother not to be. So everything you you get you don't necessarily have to reciprocate you can fix it up package it differently you know you can't polish a turd so how about we just don't use it at all that being said <laughs> my kids never knew public transportation um they you know i was that mother nope nope I'm sitting down, I'm doing homework with you. No, you can't go over so-and-so's house. I believe the first time my children actually went trick-or-treating were when they were adults. They all were over 18. Yeah, so, you know, I became that super mom. But within that, I lost Misty trying not to be the mother I had or trying to mask my children from whatever was going on during my marriage or in my family. So to that avail, I got different hats on. And when the bow broke, it was, well, what does Misty like to do? And I'm like, in full, blown, I don't know, because it was whatever my ex-husband needed me to do or whatever my kids needed me to do or whatever this person needed to do it that's that's what i enjoy doing but if you ask me what i like to do well what the hell are you asking me for you know my life has been about other people too so that's kind of how it was kind of how it was um you learn some things so i had to resolve my mother did the best she could in order for me to have that peace to to move on and it not hold me hostage so that's, that's pretty how that that is to this day okay so nothing there, there is a delay <laughs> so um so one of the things that um i i want to speak to is just the childhood wounds so you had a foundation of a mm -hmm. And one of the statements that you made is that you went from one level of abuse to the next level of abuse. So you went from a home where you experienced a level of mental and, um, and verbal abuse. And then in your adult years, that transferred over. Help, help me to understand how mm -hmm. your childhood wounds ultimately affected your adult years so what happens is 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 when you don't you know um and i've tried to get to the bottom of this uh for a while with therapy and of other you know cognitive thinking and and understanding and behavioral therapy one of them is essentially you know how what happens is, is if you don't have that, you know, strong, I had a foundation. Yes. You know, almost like you're, you have a substitute mother, but you don't have a mother. So you still have that missing link and you then begin to develop this fear and, you know, fixation with abandonment. So it stemmed me from abandonment. And then what happens is, is that 
because you are insecure or you you feel that this is going to happen as you move into adult life you then lose yourself and you begin to try to please people so that they don't what leave okay. you like the, the people did in your youth your mother's not supposed to leave you with people your mother's not supposed to leave you. So in my mind, even with parenting my children, you can't go over somebody's house to spend a night because subconsciously I believe that's leaving you and I'm not going to leave you, you know? Um, I, I think you, you, you absolutely lose yourself because you don't, you don't know how to do anything but try to, you know, convince people to love you because that's what you feel you feel like you're unloved love you will um accept and then you'll think that that's normal or you'll think that that's what you the best because i for myself know that nobody believes that that's what they deserve but they've convinced themselves that this is the best that they could do because even at my lowest i knew i didn't deserve that but you know when you hear someone constantly saying nobody's gonna want you with three kids and we we didn't let the biggest cat out the the gate here is that i was 300 pounds too you know i was way heavier i had hypertension diabetes well on my way to high cholesterol um, what made it really ironic is, is that my heart attacks didn't come to after I lost the weight, but it was a byproduct of being stressed and sick for so long that, you know, those things that you suppress, you don't go get help for, you don't go get treatment for, um, mainly because you don't know what it is and we can't recognize it just yet as a community, but I believe that we'll get there. Um, we'll figure out a way and we'll get there and we will be better for the next set of Misty's and Lolita's growing up in nearby Inglewood area. <laughs> I love this girl right here, Holland's personality. I am so just elated to have her on. So, um, so, so let's, so let's talk about the, the marriage piece. So you became a helicopter mom because of the experience that you had in your childhood. And that's actually quite normal because you want to protect your children from the things that you suffered from. So you had these abandonment and rejection issues from your past and you never wanted your children to feel that. Mm -hmm. And so uh, now you are married with a husband who is telling you who you're not and what you're incapable of doing. And how did you, how did you survive? How did you survive these things? What were the, um, what were, what tools did you have available to you before you began to plan your escape in your words? <laughs> um, what tools did you have in your toolbox <laughs> to help you to navigate this process of, okay, I have this family that is whatever and has not been there for me. There has been a, a, a plethora of different dysfunctional um, experiences. And then I go into a marriage that creates more dysfunction. And then we have children that are the product of this marriage. So how did you manage to live in that space? Um, for the most part, it was, it was very hard. Um, one of the things that was very obvious to my family with my ex-husband is, is they knew to some extent, you know, uh, some of the things that he would do and, and he was just, 
naturally rude and unwelcoming. So, you know, you never had to second guess, like, does he not want me here? Um, so that uh, within itself, I survived was in the beginning, you just kind of dive into something else. So it was my career, my children, and as you kind of tailor off, it was all of their activities. So for each instance, I just found something to keep myself busy, whether it was on the committee at church, or now I'm, you know, doing this with my uncle, who's the minister, or this with my family. You do things to occupy your mind, you do things to stay out of the house and literally just go home to go to sleep and bathe and get up and leave or you know, you're literally roaming the streets until, you know, it's time for him to go to work. And now you can go in the house and everybody just breathes this huge sigh of relief. So it was very, very um, uh, uneasy. And I, I think, you know, if it were left to me, I probably would have endured it simply because I didn't have enough strength for me, but I had more strength for my kids than I thought I had, and it was only in my children um, felt the need to not necessarily defend me, but anytime my ex and I would get into it or he would do things in front of them, I would take them and we would get in the car, we would go get ice cream, we would, you know, all of a sudden have to make a run. And I would say, he didn't mean it, you know, don't listen to him. You know, my, my kids were, I never censored my children. And I've always told my children, and this is only, I don't care who it is, because I was also, you know, molested. When you're, I, I don't want to say left from pillar to post, because, you, you know, the people that, had, they were, you know, very responsible people, but, you know, it, it happened, and, and I was. So I just, in fear of all of that, I would never let my children go anywhere. But, I mean, to to that end, when they begin to question, like, why would he do this? Why would he do that? And now at the point of, mommy, you don't know. He didn't. So now my explanations are running few and thin. And now these children are very much like their mama, smart as hell. And now I got to figure out a way around it. Now my, my children feel like I'm a coward. And now they feel like they need to somehow defend me. So Miss Diz's decision time. What are you going to do? So it was at that particular point in time, I said, I don't care. You know, I don't care about him not giving me any child support. I don't care about anything. My sanity and these children are it. So I start plotting my escape and I put my two TVs and my children in under my arm, their bikes and their clothes and we left. I left everything. I left it all. We moved into this house with four plates, four cups, four spoons, four forks, and four knives. We used paper cups. We had a couch and them two TVs. They had beds and, you know, it was, well, mommy, we need, no, it'll come. It'll come. And that's honestly probably the first day I had a really good night's sleep. One of the best things someone said to me was, worry about tomorrow, tomorrow. For as many plans as you attempt to make when you're in a frazzled state, you have to know that they can't materialize until you've had some sound direction. And however that comes across, I encourage you to seek it. You know, I probably could have been out of my situation a long time ago. Had I you know, said something to someone, had I opened myself up to listen to something else and not just been into, I just got to protect my kids. I got to protect my kids. I got to finish my, he didn't want me to go to school. No, you need to go to school. So after that, I finished every degree that there was. I don't want to learn anymore right now. So that's it for me. <laughs> BA. Well, yeah, boo, now you have a 
<laughs> yeah, I don't. I don't want. <laughs> okay, so you basically. I don't get smart. No, sorry. <laughs> so you basically survived your marriage by avoidance. You avoided um, the head-on um, confrontation. You avoided confrontation with him and you avoided and you made excuses to your children to just kind of bring ease to the environment around you. Would that be safe to say? Yes, it's safe to say, but let, let, let's, I, I want to kind of, you know, add a little verbiage to that. It was avoidance after attempting to try counseling, attempting to, you know, stand my ground. And, and what began to happen is, is that now the verbal abuse became bullying. So now it's, I'm going to take things from you should you not do what I, I want you to do. I mean, by that is, is that if we had made a decision in the home about finances to split tuition, I'll use that as an example, because I'm now angry with you. This $1,500 tuition bill that we split for, you know, each of the kids to be at their respective private schools. Yeah, you, you, you do that because I don't feel like doing that shit this month because I'm mad. So those were things that you avoided because, see, if you don't avoid it, there's a penalty for it. Mm. There's a penalty for it. And it was just to the point where I was like, I don't give up. Keep it. Keep it. Even in my divorce. Keep it. May the Lord God bless you real good. <laughs> I cannot. <laughs> I can't. Oh my God. Okay. So yeah, we want the Lord to bless him real good. But he was not being kind to his neighbor. And we would never want anyone to believe that that um, that is the right thing to do. We do want to bless people as we... Uh, sever our ties. However, um, internalizing all of the different things that had gone on in your childhood, and now you're navigating um, what is coming upon you as a divorce. You had separated. So all of these different things had began to do some things in you. So a lot of times we look at our circumstance and we look at our circumstance just from the viewpoint of what we're going through, not realizing what it's doing to us on the inside. Hence, you speak to the broken heart. So it wasn't just your childhood wounds, but even things through your marriage and, and the like. You know, it, it has just been a plethora of different things that has brought you to this place where... Mm -hmm now you have experienced five heart attacks. So when you think about internalizing anything, what are some of the things that you would say to a woman that have found herself in a similar situation as yourself? The childhood wounds, the dysfunction of family, the dysfunction of relationships, children being involved, that's a lot of weight. That's a lot going on, but all of these different dynamics are dysfunctional. So with you internalizing these things, what do you wish you had known to do in that season that you didn't have? Well, I, I think one of the things, I think we live in such a time right now where it's convenient for the you and the eyes of the world to reach our sisters, to reach, you know, anyone. It could be reverse. It could be a male in this situation that's going through what I went through. But um, I wish that, you know, there was somebody in the house to say, hey, 
you know, stop this. I wish that, you know, as a generation or as um, a, a community, we didn't shun upon what goes on in this house stays in this house. And we didn't lean on the word of God and, you know, confess ye one to another. You know, you and I have talked about this. It's not about me. It's about the next person. So if there were anything they to anybody is, girl, don't be ashamed of shit. I'm sorry. I probably wasn't supposed to say that. <laughs> but don't be ashamed because the difference between your situation and someone else's is, is that you have firsthand knowledge of what you're going through and they look like, and I tell you from everything I know, if you look at me, you wouldn't know the things that I've gone through. And that's nothing but the grace of God. But at the same time, don't take for granted that just because somebody is survived doesn't mean that they've made it somehow through their process. Embrace your process. I think when you go through it, you know how all these old adages we had when we were younger or we heard when we were younger, they make more sense now. You know, um, be anxious for nothing, you know, um, be patient, things like that. It was one that just escaped me, just as I said it. Um, but it's, it's almost like, yeah, worry about you. Worry about today. And get you some, I don't mind as a devil's workshop. And that's one we get to you is if he isolates you. And he, he was able to do that. He was able to do that for a, a while with, and you don't have to spend too much time there. I think the process itself is good. Go through it. The best ones is the bought ones. The best lessons is the bought ones because you pay with time, sweat, tears, something that allows you or affords you the opportunity to remember where you say, oh no, I can't do that anymore. Or, oh no, Misty told me about that. Or, oh no, these are signs. Love yourself enough. You know, I think it, it really starts there. No matter what, love yourself know that you deserve so much more so much more wow keep listening to this podcast you know it's all here it is, is you, it? no need to worry coach low she got you <laughs> don't worry just keep coming back you've been my therapist for 30 some years so <laughs> I love it. So, sis, okay, so, <laughs> see, I will laugh all the way through this one, but I, we, we have to keep on task because we- I'm trying to be, I'm trying. <laughs> I know, <laughs> I know. So when you so when you think about this journey, right, how much, how much did your community your your friends, your relationships, the people that God sent you, your church family, um, how much did those people groups help you to navigate to your today? Well, I, I think by almost being a PK, because you know my uncle father is is a pastor. One of the things I've I've learned very early on are people are people and people are human. Um, I've seen some things just being in the church who aren't in the church can be distracted because they lose focus on who is actually filling the pews of the church. These are the same people that you are. We're all coming in there. We're all flawed. So to that end, you know, um, the, some of these flawed people may have differing opinions about some of the things that went on that were both positive or negative. So, and I'll use my, my daughter as an example, my community, uh, the natural things that appeared to be wrong, an abusive husband or things like that. People are only willing to kind of be selective and help with um, on things they agree upon. Some things that life throws at you, you may not agree upon, but that doesn't mean you can't deal with it or you don't have to deal with it because you do. So I'm grateful for my community in helping me through some of the uh, noviances of abuse. Um, life is just not all of that. 
as I said, with my daughter, my daughter's gay. And growing up in the church, um, it's not one of the beliefs that she was taught. So my daughter told me she was gay when she was 15. And to that end, as I've told my children about any and every, I don't send them, like I said, if someone bothers you, I don't care who it is, you tell me, I am on your side and I can't help you if I don't know. So my daughter had no reservations about telling me, hey, uh, mommy, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm gay. And I'm like, uh, okay. I need a minute to process that because that's nothing that I condone or believe. So it's not like, you know, I got my receipt and I can take you back. I can't, you know, I kind of, kind of grew on me. You know, you feed someone for so long, they start to look like you. So to that end, um, we deal with it. I tell her whatever it is, tell me and we'll work through it. I'll work through it with the limited knowledge or skills that I have. And if we need to get some help, that's where we'll go. So all that to say in reference to community, I think if you have a, a, an advocate who is true to the truth and not just allegiant to you as an individual who you have a friend, like you need a friend, like a, a Misty or a Lolita that'd be like, look, babe, love you to death, but that was dead wrong yeah or here's how we could do better yeah. or you know my friend calls me in the middle of the night i'm not trying to figure out what happened where you at what you need and sometimes you know a lot of people we're here to offer our limited expert advice and we end up kind of it up because we're not the professionals so if you have a community in which you have those resources available go for it but i don't if you're feeling like something is off and it's not normal you have plenty of life coaches you have plenty of therapists and if you have to progress to a, a psychiatrist then that's what you do but you know for right now you i cannot tell you how misguided I was when it came to therapy. When I first went to therapy, I thought, good, great. She's going to have all my problems solved for me. I'm going to tell her what happened and she's going to give me a list of things and it's going to fix it. That's how it works, right? She went to school to figure out the, the mind. I went to do the math school. I know how to do math. So didn't work that way. No, it was pretty much me talking to her and it's like, so what do you like to do? And I burst out into tears because at the end of the day, I was confused because I didn't know what I like to do. Yeah. Yeah, I don't think my best friend could have brought that out of me at all. So I encourage everyone to seek some sort of, some. and it's there now more than ever. Unfortunately, that is a better resource that COVID has presented to us now. Because a lot of things that we don't know, as and I was just explaining this to um, Morgan's father. Yeah, that's that's my ex-husband. Um, the re, the impact of COVID right now. I tried. Uh, the impact of COVID right now is a little bit more severe than it was year at this time because we are in this confinement. We are, you know, sequestered fostered into our homes and as a people we are so deficient in vitamin d to begin with but vitamin d is a, a key component in your mental health so we have so already conflicting us you know and getting the the um obstructing rather not conflicting but getting the the help that we need and now we have COVID and now we have to you know quarantine and it's like oh okay let's it's like staying in a dark room you put someone in um, prison in a solitary confinement that's what this is so do we have the mental capacity to come through it prayerfully we do through podcasts like this. 
<laughs> yeah, this is uh this is kind of what it has become. Um I I think that you said so many really amazing amazing things. You shared such good information and we had the um the sad experience and i think that it was one that we never thought but one of our eagles had fallen and uh we shared that friendship mm -hmm. and she um she was going through a time of depression um and that seemed to have been something that she struggled with but i don't know that she got all of the help and everything that she needed to get through that but she ended up committing suicide and um it was heartbreaking in a way that i just i just i mean still when i look at our picture i actually went to misty's house in 2016 for christmas and uh, our mutual friend was there and I got a chance to take one last picture with her and then I believe that um, she ended up passing on the following year and so um, I, I, I was just I was really discombobulated if you will by the fact that someone as smart as her someone as helpful and um motivated and i mean she was just a really amazing woman and to think that her mental health caused her to go down this path was overwhelming to me until i had a conversation with misty and she talked about just some of the mind monsters and the things that you think would resolve your circumstance, like just not being here any longer. And so, Misty, can you, can you help to bring that home, not just her experience, but your experience as well? Just wrap that in a nice bow. One of the things that, um again it goes back to what i was saying about listening so when you are in a state of depression there first of all there are different stages of depression different forms of depression depression i, I think a lot of people don't understand anxiety is depression ocd is depression you know insomnia um for women pmdd as you become peripausal is an onset of depression. So when you are in a depressive state, um, and I, I don't say manic because there are very different delineations of manic and, you know, they call it type one, type two, stage two. You don't think about anything other than relieving the anxiety has manifested into mental pain and it's not necessarily that it's like if best described you got a nail you know how you have a splinter and a splinter is irritating you and it bothers you as long as it's there but if you take it out you know you you feel better mm -hmm. and and that's that's almost how it feels if i could just leave you know, it got to the point of what the hell I'm gonna wake up for tomorrow. You know, tomorrow's gonna be the same thing. You lose hope. You lose everything. And people on the outside, like for me, you know, people, again, they would have never thought that both Victoria and I struggled with depression because they look at where we live. They look at, you know, what we have and they measure it on things and yeah i do have a nice home but i'm holding out for the best house on the block that was the cheapest house on the block that was already ready that i could put my kids in all the way across town 
and not worry about them and that I could afford. So as great as I think my house is, they don't know my, my curtains was $5 from Amazon. I'm just saying, be honest. <laughs> so with that being said, you have a tendency to say, but you have such a nice house. You have a great job. You're beautiful. You're in this. Yeah, but those are things that doesn't help your state. So I have found in this particular point that because I've had 25, 30 years, we'll say 35 years of you fat, you ugly, you this. Now that I'm being told I, I'm aging in reverse, it's like when someone says you're beautiful, it's what you want. <laughs> So to that end, <laughs> to bow back, you know, it's just that you, you, you feel, you feel like you lose hope and you don't want to talk to anybody because as humans do is, it's the same thing that happened to me. They'll see that they'll, your friends who haven't quite understood you situation will see you make you shift in stages and then the first time one of those boundaries may apply to them then it becomes let me use let me weaponize your illness and use it against you so again you know that third party kind of it helps with the release and non internalizing and things so find you somebody to talk to that's the the most important thing find somebody you trust you can talk to I love it. I love and it. You know who you can trust. It's some same people who you, you know, it's so funny. We're both sitting here shaking our ass because of the delay. <laughs> it is. So, so I wanted you to finish what you were saying. <laughs> uh, just find you somebody you can trust. Find you somebody you can trust. Find you somebody who is non-judgmental, you know. And honestly, if you focus on what's in front of you, everybody else's situation, I, I promise you, I can't, nope. I refuse to, at this point, put anyone else's expectations on me. You know, I received a phone call that said, Oh, I expected you to call me. Oh, okay. It's a no for me. <laughs> and that, that, you know, to be honest with you, I didn't even realize that that's where self-love started. You know, I was under the impression of love. This thing that we speak of was that warm and tingly, them butterflies when you meet somebody new. No, ma'am. No, ma'am, Pam. What that is, is that anything that brings you anxiety about giving a response that somehow benefits the other person and not you, baby, that's, a, that's an automatic no. Because if it was something you didn't have reservation about, it would automatically and organically be a yes. Misty, can you go to the, yeah, when? Or Misty, can you, when? No. And it should be that simple. It should be that simple. And that is loving yourself because afterwards you realize I'm not, I'm not, I'm not under any undue stress about anything and I can go on about my day. Trust me, it works. It does. It's so, it's so true. Um, one of the, I loved uh, your experience with your friend and I can't, remember her real name but you called her mary catherine <laughs> it's so funny but she gave you this tool Bridget. <laughs> she gave you this tool um to help to increase your confidence and you were to take a picture of yourself daily and you did that and i watched that process on social media and for me to know where you've been that you are still traveling on this journey and to see you day by day becoming more alive 
making the necessary decisions, saying the necessary no's. No is a complete sentence. You don't have to have any explanation behind it. Complete sentence, no, not doing that, not calling you, not going with you, not, I'm not, period. That settles it. And so we have to stop, like Misty talked about earlier, she talked about people pleasing. People pleasing come from a place of insecurity and a need to have approval from other people. You approve by God. And he loved you, period, in spite of you, your flaws and all. So if that's what we have to go with, then that's the best bet, period, and thank you. So um, so there, there's, there has been a lot. There has been a lot of different things that has happened. But I want to go here, Misty, because this kind of has been the icing on the cake for me. And I just want to give you a hand mm -hmm. for doing the necessary things in this season of your life to guard and protect your heart mm -hmm. and to guard and protect your mental health. You recently lost your father. This will be your first, it was your first Thanksgiving. Mm -hmm. It's going to be your first Christmas. It's going to be your first turn of a new year without your dad. Your dad was your buddy. <laughs> that mm -hmm. was your dude. Y'all were tight. And he told you the things that you needed to hear. And so he was your cheerleader and he is no longer here, yes. but you are, and you are thriving. Help us understand what are the things that have kept you alive despite losing one of your favoritists on the planet? Um, and it's just, so unfortunate for anybody who never met Earl the Pearl. That's my daddy. Um, I look just like my daddy. My daddy was everything. So um, he was fine, y'all. My daddy was fine. <laughs> but one of the things that, they don't blame me? Hold on. That's, oh, that's a daddy. daddy. <laughs> that is Earl. That's my daddy. It's so funny because one of the things about uh, Thanksgiving, my family in Vegas, um, I told you there were two people, um, my godmother, Faith who kind of sustains me and Faith is here. I keep them all surrounded. So if you ever try to break in my house, I'll <laughs> leave my angels and they protect me. So you're not gonna get me. You can take anything you want downstairs, but you can't touch me. Um, <laughs> one of the things they insisted on was me not to be by myself. My father was absolutely, just to kind of put the icing on what Lolita said, my father was absolutely, the individual, when I had my children and I looked up at the end of the bed, my daddy was there. My daddy, you know, I never got a word. I could explain some things. Um, my father always, he knew me and he knew that nights I had one of these eruptions or something like that, it was because you did something to me. He knew. I never, I'm not, I'll finish, he won't stop it. So it's hard, but I had to make a choice with that. You know, I sat bedside from the time he was hospitalized to the time his last breath, my daddy saw my face. And it was hard, but to see a man who had so much pride and love for his family, kind of dwindled down to nothing was harder. And the night before my father passed, I told him, I said, Daddy, I'll be 
okay. I need you. This this I'm gonna be okay. I'll make sure Deanna's okay because you know my my little sister has Down syndrome. I said, I just need you to rest. It was hard, but because my father was who he was, when I did cry standing over him, my father, for whatever reason, he always felt like I was that little girl. So when I cry, you sit in your daddy's lap and he just, you know, tell you it's going to be okay. Well, that's kind of hard from the hospital bed. So if he saw me standing over him crying, he naturally, come on, stop crying. No, but no, daddy, I break you at this point because you're about a buckle too. <laughs> I, my daughter had a charm made and I wore it every day. And if I ever left the house without it from the time he passed, I felt like I wasn't going to have a good day. And when I was in Vegas for those, for that week and some change, it was like, live. That's what I heard, live. And, you know, I, that doesn't take you with me every day. So I have this little keepsake box that I put my daddy's keys in, necklace off, and I put it in there. And I said, I'm going to continue to live. Um, I have a little blanket and someone had me a really nice blanket made with my dad's picture on it. So he has a little corner. So every morning I get up, I see him and we're good. You just have to find a way to hold on to all the good because he had such a painful disease. I would never want him back to deal with that. Um, so I look at the good, the time that I had, I had 68 years more than some have had with their father. Well, I have 48. I'm sorry, I'm not 68. I dare not lie like that. I have 48 of his 68. Because um, I'm fighting 49. I mean, I want to keep breathing and all, but you know, the wrinkles are real. Um, so I would say just go through the process. Cry. Don't ever let somebody tell you to stop crying. You cry too much, you might need some help help but you you went to figure that part out but go through it i think avoidance you know um pretty much drags things out longer than they have to be that's why i was probably married longer than i should have been yep so it's hard around the holidays but it's hard any day when it's somebody that you really love so that's that i hopefully answered the questions correctly you said exactly what you needed to say. And that's what, this is your story. This is about you. This is about how you have navigated through the journey. And somebody needed to hear your story today. You know that it is necessary sometime for you to do some of the things that are uncomfortable in order for you to get to your next. Mm -hmm. You know, um, we we didn't talk about this, but it, and, it is something that I want people to know. One of the things that Misty uh, shared was just how dealing with depression and the, the, the stigma that comes with that, she was not open to taking medicine originally. She talked about the, the outlook in the church and that God could fix everything. And there are some issues that we struggle with that God has raised up doctors and specialists to help us to navigate through. And so with this heart condition that she was going through with the um, excessive weight gain and then the weight loss and all of the residual heartbreak that she had experienced, she has made it through and she continues to press her way. And so I just pray that that has been an encouragement to someone today. We are not going to keep Misty any longer, but I will ask her for any last um, thing that maybe we did not cover that you wanted to say to the audience of Navigating Life today. 
don't know that there's anything that pretty much hasn't been said from either myself or because anyone in search of anything will look, you know, whether it's help, help or any type of assistance. Um, even if you're listening by chance, I would say that you can. You can. And I say this to anybody. I don't care what anyone has told you. I don't, what has happened to you. Of course, I'm concerned about what's happened to you. But those are things that were sent by design to distract you from your destiny. And I need for you to believe in you. And if you can't believe in you right now, find you somebody that can help in you because it starts with you. No one can want more for you or help you more than you. And you have to know that you're worth it. You're worth the fight. You're worth the challenge. You're worth it all. And people will show you who they are. Just believe them. And they can only disappoint you if you do not accept them for who they are. So believe them, accept them for who they are, and move on. And there's an expectation with coming that, that comes with ex expecting to people to do and be who they are. So I'm no longer surprised. You can. That's it. You can. I love it. I think that that is such, um, such wise counsel. Um, and it sets a precedence to encourage and build confidence in one who may be struggling. Um, and so I, I just, I'm, I'm grateful to have had this conversation with you. Thank you for inviting us into your world. Thank you for being who you are to others. Thank you for having me. You are more than welcome. It is, um, it has just, it's, it's just always a good time with you, period. Like, we gonna always find, even when it's rough, we gonna find a way to laugh. And I just love that about my friend group. Um, we can laugh through it all, through the hurt, through the pain, through the trials, through the triumphs, whatever it is, we find a way to live. At ourselves. For sure. Mm -hmm. first mm -hmm. <laughs> and ourselves first so i love you sweetheart thank you so much exactly my guest and um and i love you and i'll talk to you soon okay bye-bye bye, bye everyone i pray god keep all and you're covered covert free bye-bye <laughs> good night babe see you later